Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back. Welcome back to An Athlete's Journey. I'm your host, Travis Reed. And today, I got a special guest, somebody I just recently met, but somebody I wish I would have met when I was <laughs> playing basketball overseas. He might have helped me a little bit, but hey, life is life. and I'm just glad I met him now. Uh, definitely somebody I wanted my listeners to uh, kind of get used to. You know, I understand, like, you know, what he does. And maybe if you have any questions for him, uh, he'll shout out his information at the end of the show. And, uh, you know, like I said, if you have, like, really, you should ask him questions because of what he does. Um, I'm just telling y'all now. <laughs> so I want to introduce you, Brian, you know, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Travis, for having me. It's an honor to be on. I appreciate it. No, no, definitely. It's an honor to get you, get you on here. Uh, cause I, you know, like I said, like, well, he's in finance people, but like, we'll, we'll let him explain, uh, what he does, you know, and like I said, he was one of those people that I wish I would have got with when I was when I was playing, but it's all good. Um, but Brian, we'll, we'll just go kind of into your, you know, but how did you start, you know, what you're doing now? Yeah, so you know, going back to the the whole finance thing and investing and all of that, uh, you know, the bug was kind of planted with me, or the seed was kind of planted with me back in high school in my economics class when. Uh, uh, our our teacher asked us to start tracking stocks and stuff like that, uh, and we dating myself, but we had to track them in the newspaper and stuff. And so, um, then didn't have the uh, internet back then. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, so so that was kind of my first uh, ex- exposure to investing and stuff like that. And so, once I graduated high school, I started going to the library and just checking out as many books as I could to learn about investing in stocks and the stock market and all that. And then. I knew once I did that, that I wanted to get into that space at some point. And so there was a local company here in San Antonio, a large financial services uh, company that uh, caters toward the military here. And they had an opening in their insurance department, um, but they also had a brokerage area for you know stocks and bonds and all that good stuff. But I figured, well, I'll get in where I can. And so I was able to get into the insurance side. So did the auto insurance and homeowners insurance for about a year and a half. And then um, there was an opening and an opportunity on the investment side. So that's when uh, I went through the training and everything, which, which took a couple months and got my securities licenses and everything. So I was a, a financial advisor and a stockbroker for about 10 years with the company and uh, just actually left that company in May of 2022 after almost 25 years there. Uh, learned a, learned a ton um, in the different financial areas within the company. But during that time, I was also investing in real estate on the side. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing that for over 20 years. And uh, so, I, you know, my journey in real estate is similar to a lot of people's. You start starting in single family properties, flipping some properties and then um, renting, you know, getting some rentals as well. Uh, dabbled in Airbnb and then started getting into the smaller multifamily like duplex, triplex, things like that. And then uh, we had a life event that that happened in our family back in 2018. My, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and fortunately, she's cancer-free now and everything. But I only bring that up because it was that that experience that made both of us as a, as a family kind of step back and reflect on life and why we're doing what we're doing and the direction we want to go. 
And that's when I realized, okay, this single family stuff is going to be really hard to scale. So that's when I started getting into larger multifamily projects, um, purchasing a hundred plus unit apartment complexes with other partners and stuff. And uh, so that was a few years ago. Now I've kind of branched off and I'm doing my own thing and I've launched a real estate fund and that's what I'm focusing on now. Okay. Okay. Like I said, you've been doing it for a long time, you know, and that's a good thing. Now, yeah. do you, do you deal with uh, all types of different people when it comes to the, you know, uh, no, like, you know, it, I can't even speak right now, <laughs> but uh, do you know, do you deal with different types of people like, you know, entertainers, athletes, those kind of things? Uh, not, not too many at this point. There's a couple of athletes that I've talked to, uh, one that, uh, will be in, investing with me soon, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, um, I know that there's unique challenges for, for athletes and, uh, the, the whole, the whole idea of the, the wealth coming so quickly and, and needing to be able to, to kind of keep that and grow that. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can appreciate that, that, uh, that challenge that they experience. No, definitely. I think, you know, I, I the reading the main one of the main reasons why we obviously we talked off air uh was I wanted you to bring you on because I definitely wanted our athletes to know like the 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 success side is just as hectic as the non-success side of of sports. And like what you've done is someone that has established what you you know, we know what you're doing. And you, you will be something out, someone I would trust, you know, with my portfolio, you know, as far as like housing or anything like that, mm -hmm. because, you know, like you need to, you want somebody who's been in the field. I never want to be, I was, this is me, but I never want to be with the new hotshot, you know, <laughs> with nothing to lose. Kind of, I want somebody kind of established, you know, and, and knows what they're doing, knows what to look for, knows what not to look for. So they could kind of explain it to me like they're a teacher and I'm a student, you know? Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for experience. And, you know, you can get an education and you can do all that. But, you know, just really doing it is one of the best ways to get experience. And that just comes with time, um, to your point. So, um, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot of lessons, made a lot of mistakes over the years uh, in, in investing in stocks, investing in real estate, investing in options, you know, just doing all that stuff. Um, a lot of, lot of lessons I've learned, but I've changed you know you just kind of have to learn those lessons and then change what you're doing you know so that you don't repeat those so mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that makes sense so like in your field you know uh what are the highs and lows i guess you know maybe for us the layman layman's people like to kind of like look out for and you know those kind of things to kind of so if we say i wanted to invest in something like that like you know how would you break it down to me yeah, specifically, so residential, um, which encompasses, you know, single family homes and multifamily properties. That's where most of my experience is in real estate. And uh, actually, you're, you're, in, you're in California. So, you know, one of the things you have to look out for is when you're investing in that type of real estate, you, you want to look for landlord friendly states to invest in. And California is not a landlord friendly state. <laughs> it's a tenant friendly state, but from an investment standpoint, it can take a long time uh, to, to evict and go through that process. Unfortunately, if you, you know, if you have to do that, uh, whereas where I'm at in Texas, it's usually much faster. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things you have to look out for. You know, you want to look and invest in a state that's more landlord friendly because um, there's definitely a few that aren't out there. And uh, that's, that's one of the biggest things, but, uh, you know, we were talking about education before. I mean, education is huge and 
you know, you have to take the initiative to, to learn some of this stuff on your own too. I think you want to meet different people like myself and talk to them and, and get their opinion and perspective on things. But I really believe in the trust, but verify things. So you need to go and you need to look up stuff on your own too, to at least have an idea. So you, so, you know, Hey, is this guy like a straight shooter? Is he, you know, or is he just kind of blown smoke or, you know, because they're, they're, in, in the sales field, right, there's just tons of people that are just going to tell you all the positives and all the great things and all the good in, outcomes that can come. But the reality of it is in any kind of investment, there's going to be some risk and, and there's downside possibility. And it's important to know not just what are the good things that can happen, what are the bad things that can happen if I invest in this as well. Okay. Now, that that leads me to my next question. I'm pretty sure being in the field that you, as long as you've been in, what are some of the horror stories that you can possibly <laughs> let out the bag yeah, yeah. Uh, without getting in trouble, you know? Uh, so, so we know yeah. what to look out for or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing, so like I was mentioning, when I got started, I started out flipping single family houses and uh, you know, I was doing well. And then I decided to purchase a house. that was a little bit higher end home um, you know, and that was higher end. You're in California, so this won't sound high end to you, but for San Antonio, Texas, you know, like seven, eight years ago, whenever that was probably 10 years ago now, um, it was 300 something thousand dollar house. It was a 5,400 square foot house, um, in San Antonio. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. For that price, in <laughs> yeah. California, you're like, wow, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a match. It's a $10 million house over here. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Backed up to a little lake and everything. I mean, it was really nice. Um, and then I put like 200 grand into, into rehab costs in it and everything, but you know that, so, so then I tried to put it on the market. It was in the fives or something like that was what I was trying to sell it at. And for one, you know, I had, I had a lot of experience doing cheaper homes, um, you know, buying them, you know, 90,000 range, uh, selling them, you know, one twenties, one thirties, one forties, something like that. And this was kind of stepping up quite a bit. And, and for our market, there was a lot less buyers in that price range. So that was one of the lessons learned from that. I'd made a mistake and kind of jumped into an area that was a little bit, you know, too big for, for flipping at that time. Um, I also had, uh, I'll try to spare you all the details, but uh, I also had a, uh, at the time, and I don't even know if these companies exist anymore, but they had what's called a home tender company. And I know that sounds weird, but what it, the, the concept is, you're done with your rehab and you're going to list your house for sale. Mm -hmm. A company finds a professional uh, that needs to find a place to live for a few months or whatever. And the idea is they'll come in, they'll stage because they've got their own furniture. They'll stage your property. They'll help cover some of the utility, you know, electric, water, sewer, uh, maintain the yard, the pool, all that stuff. And so it helps with some of your holding costs while you're trying to sell the house. Well, the the people that uh, they this company ended up putting in the house uh, were doing some there was some stuff going on um, with girls being brought back to the house and stuff um, with guys and stuff uh, and so without getting into all the details uh, I I got it under contract finally to sell after a lot of bad experiences because I would have people go look at the house and they're like they would give me feedback that you know the house smelled like pot um the the pool <laughs> the, the pool wasn't being maintained it was green um one person came out to look at it and a girl answered the door and was like after they'd already accepted the showing she's like i'm sorry now's not a good time it's like okay so you know it, it just there was a lot of, of of issues there but then when i finally got under contract to sell supposed to close on a monday i went out there on a friday after work 
went to go look at it. And, and first of all, I, I walk in and the, the door is completely wide open. It's unlocked. Um, wow. I, I go into the house and there's just clothes scattered everywhere. Um, the ceiling fans busted on the ceiling. There's crown molding off of the cabinets in the bathroom. I mean, I had completely gutted and remodeled this thing. Um, and they were only in there like three months. And, uh, yeah, the refrigerator was like in this middle of the kitchen with like rotting red meat, like just coming. I mean, it was just like, just disgusting. And so, and then in the, in the master bathroom, there was a bucket on the floor with water dripping into it because the AC line had clogged in the, in the ceiling. And so it was just, I mean, it was just a disaster. Oh, wow. And, and so I'm like, you know, I'm calling my crew out there. I'm like, Hey guys, we need to get out here and start cleaning this stuff up. And, you know, I told them just go ahead and take all the clothes, put it, you know, just put it in the, on the floor in the garage. We just got to get this thing cleared out because we're supposed to close on Monday. So, you know, we're doing that, we're cleaning it all up. And, and, uh, and then the guy shows up with, uh, <laughs> so first it was actually a brand new Bentley that pulls up and these three girls get out. And then the, he, he came in the Bentley right behind them. Um, and then, you know, he, so obviously there was a lot of money involved, but, but he starts coming up to me and talking to me like, you know, you guys are disrespecting us, throwing our clothes on the floor. And I'm like, well, you guys were supposed to be moved out already. We're supposed to close on Monday. And, um, and so basically there was, I'll just tell you, basically there, the, the company that found these folks, these folks were, from what I understand, bringing strippers over from the strip club and bringing guys over with them and doing extra curricular activities because there were driver's licenses laying on the ground in the, in the house um and stripper shoes everywhere um and uh, it, was, <laughs> it was it was crazy uh I, I remember driving home that night and uh you know i get a call from that company and like hey did you see any shoe boxes i'm like yeah there were shoe boxes everywhere he's like well because they're saying there was 20 grand in one of the shoe boxes that's missing i'm like I don't know anything about that because I just took everything out and got rid of it. And so long, long story short, um, I ended up losing money on that deal. That was the only flip I ever lost money on. Um, it just, you know, but I, but I closed on Monday. We got it all, everything fixed up, cleaned out, fixed all the leaks and everything. Everything was done and good. Uh, so that was uh, a lot of lessons learned there. Uh, don't, don't go too high in the higher end trying to flip and then don't use a home tender company. That's for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now that's a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's right out of one of those flip shows for sure. That could, yeah, no, that actually yeah. sounds like flip or flop or whatever they, you know, whatever they, yeah. whatever they show. That's yeah. the funny thing is like, I, I actually watch those shows all the time. Like, I, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, so right. like, that's why I was like, it made me also think about you because it's like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> yeah, put an extra money and try to flip it, you know, but it didn't come out to quite what you thought. But they, hey, you got yeah. rid of it. So it's all good. I got rid of it. And, and, you know, I had, that was one of my first deals. I actually brought in uh, investors into the deal. Um, and the investors that invested with me, I made sure that I gave them what I promised them in terms of their return and everything. I, I took the loss all on myself, but um, you know, to me, that's important, you know, to try to help out your investors where you can. So. No, I can understand that. I can understand that. Now, the next question for you is like, when it comes to, you know, investing and things like that, um, I know we talked about, you know, like obviously, you know, you, you you talk to a couple of athletes and things like that. And, you know, from my from my from my end, it's a situation where I've had, you know, like I was the first kind of generation of my family to have, you know, certain things, you know, go to college, play professional, 
even, you know, make a certain amount of money, you know. Um, now, my next question for you, it would be is, I, I'm coming to you looking to invest maybe a house for, you know, because first thing I always want to do is buy a house for a mom, house for a dad, you know, <laughs> right? you know, you know, those kind of things. Are those smart investments on your end for, you know, let's just say a 20 year old Travis? You know, I'm, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to investing. And so, and, and I, I, I say that from the standpoint of, and you probably think, well, gosh, you're investing in real estate and stuff. That's not necessarily conservative, but you can be conservative in that space. So my philosophy has always been, I want to buy something that I'm getting at a discount and the mm. cash flows from day one. That that's what I try to focus on. And when I started buying single family houses, that's what I was doing. If it didn't, if it didn't, if I didn't get equity from day one into the in the property, you know, get it at a good good price mm. and it didn't cash flow, I didn't buy it. That was my criteria. Those were the only two things I was looking for. And if it didn't meet any one of the, either one of those, then I didn't, then I didn't buy it. So I would say if somebody's looking to do something like that and they're looking to do it for family, you know, I obviously you want to be able to, if that piece doesn't work out, you want to be able to cover that mortgage. Or if you're, if you're paying cash, that's great, but you're still going to have, and I guess it depends on where you're at in Texas, property taxes are really high. I think in California, it's a little bit less so. Um, but you want to make sure you can still cover all of those holding costs and everything in case something doesn't work out, that family member decides to move or whatever. Um, I would just say you want to try to be conservative and don't over leverage yourself. Um, and don't buy something for somebody else if it's not a good investment period, you know, um, just because they want this great grand thing, you know, buy something at a discount, fix it up. You know, if, if you're, if you're going to go through the, the, the work mm. of buying something for a family member, mm. you know, you've got all this money, make an investment with it. Don't just buy full retail, spend full retail on a house for your, your parents. You know, you've got the money, go ahead, get a fixer upper fix it up. And that way you're probably not guaranteed, but you might have some extra equity there in the end when you're done versus paying full retail from day one. And so that, mm. I mean, that would be one way for, you know, anybody that comes into money that's, you know, trying to help out family, try to get something that that's at a discount. Um, and you know, that, that would be one way to do it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Never thought about it that way. Cause I know like the first thing you, you know, one of the biggest things like, oh, I got to get my mom, you know, this brand new, you know, house that's, you know, kind of extravagant and da, 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 you know. And I always wondered, like, should I ever do that if I came across to that kind of, you know, that kind of money, you know. Um, now, you saying like, you know, obviously do fixer uppers and things like that to kind of like build equity in your house. So mm -hmm. you're paying less and, you know, maybe gaining some towards the end of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, what if is there a case of, you know, like, okay, well, quick side question. Mm -hmm. In your case, is it smart to kind of mix business with, 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 with family, you know? No, no. I, I've had, I, I've had, I'll just be honest for me, the way I look at it is if, if a family member ever asked me for money um, and if I'm going to, lend them money or give it out to them. I wouldn't even call it lending. I would just say it's gone. Okay. <laughs> that's just, that's just my perspective because okay. I don't want to lose a family member over money or something like that. So for me, and I, and I've actually turned down people because I knew they weren't going to pay it back and I know it was going to make me mad. So I was just like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'd rather just not do it 
and you know you can figure something else out then then something get in the way and ruin the relationship so uh yeah I, i've always been of the thought if you're gonna get something for somebody or lend somebody money just consider it gone and be okay with that and if you're not then don't do it okay that's my perspective yeah no no these are like i said if i had a notepad i would be like just check <laughs> no on this <laughs> you know just because like these are some good things that you got to know when it comes to financial uh, situations mm -hmm. now obviously you know you've dealt with many different types of situations when it comes to flipping houses and things like that um and you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't do the family thing, which, which makes sense. Now, let's just say you have a responsible friend, right? And you know, this person has a good job, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. um, and you put down whatever, you know, 20%, 30%, whatever for a house. Mm -hmm. um, do you think, in your opinion, was that like a, a smart investment, you know, as far as like having somebody responsible in the house? Or is it better to kind of like, no, I'm, you know, I can help you out, uh, but not like that in a different way, you know? Yeah. I mean, so the one thing to consider there is if you're the one putting in all the money, there's less risk for them. So mm. if, if things don't go well, well, they just walk away because they don't have any money in it or they have very little money in it. Mm. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, do it all above board and, and have everything in writing and have an agreement mm -hmm. and, you know, make mm -hmm. sure that, that that's responsibilities are laid out. Right. And if you're going to be putting the money, you know, majority of the money down, you're going to get X percent, you know, or that's 50, 50 or whatever, you know, however you want to, whatever that agreement is. Um, but I, but I think, you know, it, it would be best if you're going to help somebody like that, that they have some skin in the game. Um, because whenever people are investing, you know, and this is something that happens in my field <laughs> that I'm in now, you know, we, we, you know, we, we invest in apartment buildings and, you know, I wouldn't ask anybody to invest in something I'm not putting my own money in. Mm. And that's just, that's just, you know, the way I do it. And, and I can tell you, not everybody in the industry is that way. Uh, they'll, they'll leverage other people's money all night to, to try to benefit themselves. Um, but I just that that would be that would be my thought on it. Those are those would be my two points on that. Okay, okay. Now, now when you if you want to invest in the like you were saying apartment buildings and things like things like that, uh, there's a like everybody kind of thinks. Well, I gotta have a certain amount of money to be able to invest in things like that. Is mm -hmm. there a certain level of money that you need to have to be able to invest in in in, in situations what you're talking about? Yeah. So like the apartment buildings that, that I invest in now, I do through a real estate fund that I created. So it's kind of like a mutual fund, like mm -hmm. a mutual fund of stocks, but this is a mutual fund basically of real estate that's private. It's not public. So, you, you know, you can't just go anywhere and, and find it. Um, so the minimum to invest in my fund and most what are called real estate syndications is usually about 50,000. Mm -hmm. Um, but there can be exceptions made just depending on, you know, how many investors are needed and so forth. So it can really just vary, but very general statement, usually about 50,000 would be the minimum. Um, and usually they're, they're passive deals, meaning whoever you're investing with is kind of running it and they're, they're taking care of everything and you're able to just kind of collect any income that comes off of it. And any, any profits at the end you know, you'll get some of those profits and, you know, it's, it's all passive for the investor. Mm, mm, mm. 
Yeah, I always, you know, for me, you know, I always use the thing like, well, I need to get, you know, a certain amount. Like I need to get 80,000 or 90,000 before I start investing in a certain percentage. And I think that it's a, probably a misconception that uh, I wanted you to kind of clear up, you know, for not only for me, but probably for other people as well. Because yeah. um, I was always confused on that. I always thought like you got to stack a certain, like a huge amount to be able to, you know, move forward, with, you know, doing those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely ways to, to start out on the, on the lower end and, and even, you know, even getting into the single family space and stuff, you know, there's a lot of creative ways to to take over other people's mortgages, or, you know, if you want to buy just a single family house and somebody needs to get out of it because they lost their job or whatever, you know, there's a lot of uh, ways to assume loans or do subject to and different, different types of strategies. I don't do much of that anymore. Uh, but there are a lot of strategies out there uh, with, with little money required up front. Okay. All right. And so now that you obviously the boss man of your, your company, is it, do you still, are you still in the field of things like that? Or is it just more like you're sending out, you're sending out <laughs> your, your, your minions? <laughs> no, no, it, it, uh, it's mainly me. Uh, you know, with, with my business, it's, it's really me. And, uh, you know, I go and I look at the properties and, um, so yeah. And, you know, with the, with the deals I'm doing now, these are, you know, these are, you know, two, 300 unit apartment complexes. So we've got to go out, we've got to do our proper due diligence and make sure that it's a good, make sure that it's a good investment. And, um, you know, for me, I focus on Texas. That's just, I born and raised here. And Texas is a really good state from a real estate standpoint. We've got so much migration. Actually, we have quite a few people moving from California to Texas. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, whether it's whether it's because a property is so expensive in California or for political reasons or whatever, um, there's just a lot of people moving from California and some other states to to Texas. Um, so yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, I have a couple friends that move more than a couple. Probably <laughs> what's a few? I guess that's the next level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let that move from California to Texas, obviously, uh, because of, you know, prices of housing and things like that, because, you know, California, the you say it's a tenant place, but really, I don't know, <laughs> they, the, the rent and things like that has exploded. So, yeah, yeah, out of here. So it's been a situation where people are moving because it's just getting too pricey mm-hmm. um, unless you move. You know, California is like, you know, L.A.'s, nobody really lives in L.A. Everybody kind of just commutes to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, you live on the outskirts, you know, of L.A., Long Beach, Gardena, like things like that. But like nobody really lives in L.A. Yeah. And that's why so much traffic because everybody's commuting into L.A. Um, but like as far as pricing, like if you want a nice house at a cheaper price, it's like going further and further out. So it used to be like the L.A. Empire where I'm at now. Now it's Victorville, then Asperia, then Beaumont. It's like boonie, boonies. Find <laughs> you a nice house. You got to go to the boonies. So yeah. yeah, Texas is probably like the next step, you know, as far as like, you know, a lot of our friends, they was like, man, I'm, I'm just moving to Texas cheaper. Yeah, 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 it is. I, I you know, I used to, uh, my my wife's grandparents um, used to have a place in Newport Beach and uh that you know so she would she grew up going over there and going to disney and all that stuff and then when when we met then i got to go out because i didn't go to i I think i'd only been to california one other time before i met her and then we started going quite frequently to go visit her grandparents and stuff so i love california the weather with the exception of the last few days for you right is usually beautiful and uh, oh yeah yeah. so much it it gets really hot in texas though that's that's (laughs) the one thing about texas it gets really hot 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, it makes sense. I was, you yeah. know, the funny thing about Texas, I think about like, you know, natural disasters and like, you know, those kind of things. I don't know if it hits Texas a lot, but yeah, you know, San Antonio, actually, San Antonio specifically uh, uh, is pretty isolated from our, our biggest thing is hail. Um, mm. The hurricanes don't really don't reach up to us. That's more on the coastline of Texas. Uh, tornadoes and stuff are more upper panhandle of Texas. So uh, really kind of where San Antonio is, it's mainly hail and stuff like that, that that we deal with, which seems to be getting worse every year now. Um, but yeah, I, I replaced our, our roof in our house a couple of years ago. And then literally a few months later, I had to replace it again because. Oh, it wow. Hit. Yeah. <laughs> and we got like baseball size hail busted oh. out windows and stuff. Oh, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, oh, wow. Crazy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I never, I see, I, yeah, I never, <laughs> seen it. never seen it. So yeah. 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 There's pros and cons to living everywhere. Right. Agreed. Oh, a hundred percent agree. Yeah. People always tell me I'm scared of earthquakes. Earthquakes last about five seconds. You know, you yeah. should, Really hard for five seconds, and that's yeah, shit, you yeah. Know. until the whole state falls into the ocean, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that's what everybody says. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, well, Brian, I, I want to say thank you, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. I just wanted to ask you a few questions on what you know, what it is that you do, and like how could it, you know, I learned some, you know, I learned personally, me myself, some things from you already. Uh, I'll probably be bugging you, you know, you know, in the future. But like, hey, Brian, so what do you think about this, man? What do you think about that? You know? Yeah, I'm more than happy to help. Yeah, yeah I love you that. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so please, uh, you know, let everybody know where they can find you. If they're in the area, I'm pretty sure I have some people that, you know, listen to me in Texas. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool, for sure. Yeah, so I'm in San Antonio. But the, the best way to reach me, uh, the only social media I'm on right now is LinkedIn. So uh, if you're on LinkedIn, you can hit me up that way. Uh, my website is headstartequity.com, or you can just send me an email to brian at headstartequity.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, like I see yeah, just like I said, I, I want everybody to know where he can find them. And like I said, he answered all the questions that if you had any questions that I couldn't think of, <laughs> hit, hit, me up. hit him up, hit him up. Yep. He, um, he knows his stuff. People trust me. We've talked on the phone and, uh, like I said, he's a good person and he's willing to help. Well, uh, like I said, you can follow me at Travis W. Reed. Uh, that's R-E-E-D, Travis W. on Instagram and Facebook. I post all my social media on those sites. I also do have, I also too have a LinkedIn, Travis Reed. Um, so you can, you know, look for me on that as well. Uh, I don't have my merch on today, uh, but you can still hit me up for the Travis Reed, the Athlete's Journey merch. Uh, just DM me or message me. And I, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll DM me, message you back. And we'll set up. I'll send it right to you out Thank y'all for coming out. We'll talk to y'all next week. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.